so grateful for the opportunity to be able to open God's word again tonight. So uh, as we're just now coming online, I want to uh, welcome you tonight. Oh, I hope that you'll uh, share the page, make sure that you like and share or check in and let others know that we are coming online. And we'll take just a moment and let others join with us tonight. So grateful that um, you were able to uh, to join online tonight. I trust that the message will be a blessing. I know that it's been a blessing in my life. And so we'll be jumping into God's word in just a moment in Psalm 38. Psalm 38. As uh, others are coming on, I just want to say a thank you to all of our veterans. This morning we were able to take some time in our service and honor those who have served our nation. And we're so grateful for uh, our, our veterans. We're thankful for their service. We're thankful that there have been men and women through the years who have stood in that line to defend our freedoms. And we're so grateful for that. I know all of us have a heavy heart to see uh, what we are witnessing today in our country, but we are grateful that the true American idea is within the heart of so very many. And if all of us will live out those liberties and those freedoms and be the people that God wants us to be, we can see a land that is free. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so we want to make sure that we're living spirit-filled lives, that we are taking the opportunities to share the gospel, to promote righteousness in our own life and in our church and our community, and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're, uh, we have such a great responsibility for that. And so I want to encourage all of us to be doing that. We'll be having our uh, final witness in action class this this coming Wednesday. Many of you have been involved in these classes for the the last five weeks. This will be the fifth and final for this time through. I know that uh, it has been a tremendous blessing to me. I know to so many uh, that have been a, a part of these classes. It's been a great help to you. But now is the time to really put it into action. And so we want to put the we've we've learned some things about witnessing, but now we've got to put the action in and we've got to take the gospel to this world. And so be with us on Wednesday night, seven o'clock. Awanas will be meeting. They, they begin checking in at 645, uh, youth group at seven o'clock. And so let others know and we'll see you on Wednesday night. Uh, it was a joy to see all of our ministries represented. And I want to say thank you to all of our ministry leaders who were at the tables today. Um, thank you for everybody who took time to come by and look over the ministries of the church and sign up. It is our responsibility as members at the church that we would be, that we would be uh, finding our place of service, letting God use us. Every one of us has something that God wants to do for our employment to make the church um, stronger, to make the church more whole. And so each of us need to be uh, going through the process of what we talked about this morning, of giving ourselves over to the Lord, making our lives a living sacrifice, making that presentation to the Lord. And I know God will use it in a great way. Again, thank you for being online again tonight. I'll be finding in your Bible Psalm 
38, Psalm 38. Next Sunday is going to be a wonderful time. We'll have Baptism Sunday. And so if you have not yet signed up for baptism or let the church office know that you're going to be uh, getting baptized, make sure that you call and let us know this week and we'll be prepared for you. And we will meet you at the church. We'll give you information about where to meet, what to bring. And it'll be a wonderful time to see uh, new believers following Christ in believers baptism. And so that'll be next Sunday. Make sure that you're ready for that and uh, uh, be prayed up for that. Pray for more uh, for more souls. Let's be praying that God would, uh, would draw men and that we would have opportunity to, to share the gospel, to disciple. And I know that the Lord will use us in these last days to bring many to Christ. Uh, Psalm 38 tonight, Psalm 38. And this has been a message on my heart for some time. We've been going through certain things that uh, are, are major hindrances to people. Uh, for instance, we talked about worry. Uh, we talked about fear. We talked about discouragement and depression. Uh, we've talked about stress. I would encourage you to go back and listen to those. And we, we all need to be reminded that we're not, we're not immune to that as believers. In fact, Satan is looking for every opportunity to bring us into the bondage of fear, put us under the stranglehold of worry. In fact, it's an interesting thing about worry. It's an old English word that comes from uh, the idea to strangle, to choke. And uh, anxiety and worry, they just choke the life out of us. They strangle us. And so as a believer, we want to find biblical principle and biblical uh, ways to overcome by living by faith and overcoming fear, overcoming anxieties, overcoming discouragement and depression. And then uh, we battled against stress. All of us deal with stress, that gap between the demands of life, all the things that are on our plate, and that gap between those demands and our ability to meet those demands. And that gap represents stress. And when that gap widens too much, stress becomes overwhelming. And uh, all of us, you can't, you can't eliminate stress in your life. We talked about that last week. You can't eliminate it. Stress is, and oftentimes it's a good thing. A beautiful music is played because of stress on the strings and on that instrument. But when it's overbearing, it can cause damage. And that's exactly where we don't want to be as a Christian. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to these. But tonight is another thing that we don't often associate with these types of issues, fear and worry and discouragement, stress. But tonight is something that I, I think has a, has a hold on so many people and it really disturbs and robs our mental health. And we're going to look at some things tonight. Psalm 38. Would you look with me in verse number one? This is David. It's a psalm of David to bring to remembrance. And it's, it's something that David is being reminded of. Watch this carefully in verse number one. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth sore, uh, or thy, thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. 
Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. Notice that. For mine iniquities are gone over my head as an heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. My loins are filled with a loathsome disease and there is no soundness or health in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Disquietness meaning, meaning the constant noise and murmuring and unrest of the heart. Lord, all my desires before thee and my groaning is not hid from thee. My heart panteth, my strength faileth me for the, as for the light of mine eyes. It is gone from me. My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore and my kinsmen stand afar off. They also that seek after my life lay snares for me. And they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things and imagine deceit all the day long. But I, as a deaf man, heard not, and I was as a dumb man that openeth not his mouth. Thus I was as a man that heareth not and in whose mouth there are no reproofs. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord my God. For I said, hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slippeth, they magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to halt and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. But mine enemies are lively and they are strong and they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. They also that render evil for good are mine adversaries because I follow the thing that is good or that good is. Forsake me not, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Now, we took some time to read this entire psalm, and I want, us to, uh, I want us to examine it tonight. And I want us to see what God says in his word as we, as we come to Psalm 38 and the life of David. Uh, something that I want to say tonight, every one of us need to learn to say goodbye to guilt. Guilt is a robber of our peace, our rest, our health, our life, and we want to get victory over it and say goodbye to guilt. Lord, speak to our hearts tonight. I pray that every one of us would examine our own hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to convict and to show us where there are some unsettled things and that we would do business with those. Help us to find victory in Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is a Psalm of David, a Psalm of remembrance. David is remembering his sin, and he's remembering the condition of his life because of his sin. You'll remember that David was a man after God's own heart. David had done wonderful things for the Lord. David had been very uh, prosperous and victorious as a king. He had won uh, some wonderful...
uh, bankruptcy, moral bankruptcy came into David's life in those in that time. David stayed home. Remember, he went out and saw uh, Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop. David lingered and lusted, and then he 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 brought her to himself. And David committed that great sin, and then he tried to cover it up. And David David brought her husband Uriah home and had him drunk and and trying to get him to go home, but he wouldn't do it. Uriah had more uh, character drunk than David did sober, and and he wouldn't go home to Bathsheba. And then eventually David had Uriah deliver his own death sentence to Joab, and then they killed him in battle. You remember that story well. David committed adultery. He committed murder. He sinned grievously. And for over a year, David would not deal with his sin. The consequences were piling up. The pressure was piling up. And we we see in the Old Testament, we see some of the things that happened to, to David uh, in his family and in the kingdom and so forth. But David gives us a glimpse of what was going on up here between his ears and in here in his heart. And David is gonna tell us something that so very few people know little about, and that is guilt and what it does to us psychologically. Uh, Many psychologists will tell us that people who are suffering from mental issues and people who in the past who've had to go into mental health institutions, that an overwhelming majority of them are dealing from the symptoms of guilt. And and the great problem is people don't even know what, what guilt really is. When we think of guilt, we think of guilty feelings, that I feel guilty and I got to get these feelings under control because I feel so guilty. We often uh, assume that guilt is the feelings that we have from what we have done or what we haven't done when we've committed a sin or we have have, uh, committed sin by omission. In other words, We've done things we know we shouldn't do, or we've not been doing things that we should do. And these things have great, great impact on our mental and our uh, emotional and our uh, physical well-being. David's going to give us a clear picture of life in a, a, a state of guilt. Now, what is guilt? Is guilt the guilty feelings? Well, of course not. A guilt is not the guilty feelings. And this is the problem. Many people are trying to treat the symptom rather than treating the cause. Let's suppose today that you uh, were to walk into your kitchen and you didn't realize that your wife had uh, left the stove on and you came in and uh, you put your hand down and inadvertently put your hand on that stove and there was a sizzle and a hiss and you pulled that hand back and it was a, it was too late. You had experienced a terrible burn on your hand. And that burn went down the side of your hand and down your arm. And there it is. It's You try to run some cold water on it. You try to get a compress on it. And uh, there is that open, gaping, raw flesh from that serious wound. Now, the sensations that are going up your arm and into your brain that are creating those signals of pain, those are the feelings of the burn. But listen to me, they're not the burn. 
Uh, the feelings that, you're, that you have are not the wound. The wound itself, the raw, open, uh, terribly uh, wounded flesh, that's the burn. Now, you might take some medicine to, to, to take the edge off the feelings of that. But if you only treat the, the feeling of that wound, that wound's going to fester. It's going to, it's going to infect. It's going to get worse because you didn't treat the wound itself. Now, let me tell you very carefully what this has to do with guilt. What, what pain is here in the body, it's, it's a signal that something is dreadfully wrong. Pain signals that there's something awry with the body and it makes us look for the, for the cause. What pain is to the body, uh, guilt is to the conscience. Those feelings of guilt to the conscience tell us that there's something wrong spiritually. Just like pain tells us there's something wrong physically, guilt will tell you there's something wrong spiritually. Now listen carefully. Guilt is not the feeling, and that's what that so many are trying to treat and numb the feelings of guilt. They're drinking, they're taking drugs, they're engaging in immoral behavior, and they're seeking pleasure, they're seeking releases from these overwhelming feelings of guilt. But listen, uh, often they're complicating the matter because they're compounding guilt upon guilt upon guilt because they're not treating the wound. And if it's not treated, if the very wound itself is not treated, then it will fester and it will infect. And so many people are living with a tainted view of life because of this thing of guilt. And David was dealing with that. David was dealing with guilt. And what he was going to come to find out is that God alone is the one that can take care of not only the symptoms of guilt and the consequences of it, but he can also deal with the very condition and cause of it, which is sin. Sin wounds. And when it wounds, those wounds create psychological pain that we refer to as guilt. But there is a wound there that has to be dealt with. You can't just numb the feeling. You have to deal with the cause. And so I'm going to show you what guilt does to a Christian. Um, and and what, what we really see as the result of sin. First of all, look in verses 1 and 2. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, thy hand presseth me sore. Now notice what it does. The sin in the life of a believer displeases God. And God speaks wrathfully against it. Notice he said, rebuke me not in thy wrath. Sin in the believer invokes the wrath of God. And God speaks wrathfully um, and hotly at one of his children. You've been there before as a child with your parent when you did wrong and a parent spoke wrathfully to you. Well, it's because you did wrong and they're showing you their displeasure. Well, God does that in our lives. It, it brings words of wrath. It brings arrows of conviction. Notice it. He says, thine arrows stick fast in me. It brings arrows of piercing conviction to us 
And then the Bible says, thy hand presseth me sore. God puts pressure on you. He puts his hand on you. I remember sitting next to my mother in church and my dad would be preaching and I'd be doing something that my mother didn't approve of. And she'd look down at me and she'd shoot me those eyes. And let me tell you, there are many times if I didn't straighten up, I felt my mama's hand on me and boy, that pinch or that squeeze let me know you better knock it off. Now, you see, God presses us. Now, why is he pressing us? So sometimes we think that when we sin, God wants to cast us away. Oh no, he presses us and squeezes us tighter so that he doesn't lose uh, and we don't draw away from him. He brings us tighter. He doesn't cast you off. He presses you down. And that's what God is doing to David here. God was pressing him sore. God was wounding him with words of wrath. God was sticking him with arrows of conviction. By the way, those are all acts of grace and mercy. God was not trying to destroy him. God was trying to deliver him. But God was displeased with his sin. Not only does it displease God, but let me tell you what else it, what else it does. When we sin, it destroys our strength. Notice, notice what the Bible says in verse 3. He says, there's no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. Let me tell you what sin does. Sin wears you out. It wears you out. Uh, he had no rest. Do you know that David, we can look back in, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, David spent about the first three verses committing the sin. And then he spends the rest of the chapter covering it. And that's exactly what happens with sin. Sin is committed in a moment, and then we have to spend months or years to cover, and it will, it will wear you out. David was, he couldn't sleep. Look at verse three. There was no rest in his bones because of his sin. It was wearing him out. David was fatigued, he was weary. He would lay in bed at night and he couldn't sleep. He'd stare at the ceiling. He'd have to watch TV. He'd have to scroll through his phone if he had one. He could not find rest. Why? Because of guilt. And can I tell you that there is nothing softer for a pillow than a clear conscience. When you can lay your head down at night and you can look up to the Lord and you can say, God, my conscience is clear before you. There's nothing between my soul and the Savior. Lord, I've confessed my sin. I've received your forgiveness of my sin. I've made things right with you and others. And God, I'm clean before you. That makes a very soft pillow. And David didn't have that. It was wearying him. I tell you, it, it destroys your strength by wearing you out. Not only does that, it weighs you down. Look at verse four. He says, my iniquities are gone over my head. And for as a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. David was weighted down. He was under the burden of his sin. He had a stooped shoulders. He had a, a hunch to his life. He used to be able to stand up straight and tall, look Goliath in the eye. Now David couldn't even look himself in the mirror. He was burdened down. He was weighted down. He was carrying a weight and a load. Why? Because of his sin. Sin weighs you down. Not only that, look at verse five. Uh, I'm talking about dissolving. I'm talking about destroying your strength. Look at verse five. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I was foolish and I've wounded myself. And now those wounds stink. Listen, not only does sin wear you out, 
and it weighs you down, but it wounds you. It wounds you. There's a spiritual wound that comes from sin. And if it's not treated, then spiritual infection, gangrene sets in and it causes guilt and sorrow with that guilt. And uh, listen, there are two great wounds that come into a believer's life, into his, into his mind, into his psychological life. Two great wounds, sorrow and guilt. Sorrow is a deep wound. There are some who are so sorrowful, so grieving, they just a deep hurt. All you can do is just, oh, and groan. But can I tell you something about sorrow? Sorrow is, is like a clean wound and it'll heal over time but not with guilt. With guilt, it's not a clean wound. It was caused by sin. It was a dirty instrument that caused the wound. And if it's not dealt with, it'll infect and it'll spread to other areas of your life and uncleanness will spread to the life. And can I tell you, uh, if you're grieving from sorrow, given enough time and the grace of God, you'll find healing. And uh, there'll still be some, there'll still be some scarring, and there'll still be some tenderness, but it'll heal. But if there's guilt caused by sin in your life, it'll infect, and over time it'll actually get worse. It will wound you. Not only that, but look at verse number six. He said, "I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long." What is this? This is worry. Sin worries you. You're worried someone's gonna find out. You're worried that it's gonna get, the cat's gonna get out of the bag. And you're worried that um, it's going to catch up with you. And, and it, you're constantly looking over your shoulder. And when the phone rings, you get worried. And David was troubled, he was troubled, he was troubled, he was troubled. And it worries you. Not only that, look at, look at verse number, uh, and by the way, let me just say this very quickly. I've got to hasten tonight, but let me just say this. If you can sin and it not bother you, then friend, you as a believer cannot sin successfully. God fixes it that way so that you cannot sin successfully. And that's a grace of God. He makes it so that you can enjoy it. I can still sin, but we just can't enjoy it like like the world can. There are things that the world can do and it never bothers them. But for a believer, it wounds us, it wearies us, it worries us. The most miserable person in the world is a saved man living in sin. Now that's a fact. It worries you. And then let me just say this, number seven. It wasted David away. It was a wasting thing. It just physically took him down in sickness. Look at verse seven. My loins are filled with a loathsome disease and there is no soundness in my flesh. It brought physical consequences to him. And can I tell you that sin will do that? Sin brings physical consequences with it. I, one of the things that I've learned and I, I heard from an old preacher many years ago is that God always forgives. Nature never does. A person can go out and get on drugs and he can come to God and say, oh God, forgive me. And God will. He's gracious that way. He's merciful to us. But you know, those drugs, nature will not forgive so easily. And we have an addiction now. We have a stronghold now. We have something to overcome. Uh, maybe you go get addicted to pornography and, 
And uh, you can come to God and say, oh, God, forgive. And God is quick to forgive. If we confess our sin, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us and to cleanse us. But can I tell you, you have created a natural proclivity, a, 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 a natural longing and appetite and desire for that. And now that's gonna be a difficult thing to overcome. You're gonna have to find discipline and devotion and you're gonna have to find some accountability and some help. Why? Because nature doesn't forgive. Listen, uh, you can smoke a whole bunch of cigarettes and then you can get right with God and overcome it and quit it. But you know what? You're still gonna have uh, perhaps damage on the cellular level and hardening of the arteries and, and scarring of the lungs and all of those things that come from sin. Sin affects us physically. You may be able to go out and, and uh, have an immoral relationship and come to God and genuinely repent of that and ask God for forgiveness. And God is gracious that way. Thank God for his mercies and he'll forgive. But you may have some kind of venereal disease and, and that, doesn't, um, that doesn't mean that God didn't forgive. It just means that there's a physical wasting now. There is a physical problem in these bodies from sin. Now, listen, you may not like what I'm telling you, but it's, it's, uh, it's a fact. And, uh, and, and here's David in that condition. And, and not only did it displease God and it destroy his strength, but man, it put a deadening in his soul. It deadened his soul. Uh, look at verse nine. He said, Lord, my desire, all my desires before thee and my groaning is not hid from thee. Deep in his heart, David, David's desire was dissipating. Verse number, verse number 10, he said, my heart panteth, but my strength faileth. He said, God, I desire you, but I can't get to you. I, I long for you, I'm panting for you, but I have no strength. And as the light of my eyes, it is also gone from me. David was walking in darkness. David was walking in darkness. And let me tell you what guilt will do. This is what it does. Guilt causes you to walk in the shadows of life. It makes you blind to the blessings of God. We should be walking in the light. And here we are, we're slipping into the night because of guilt. Uh, he was blind to his blessings. Notice in verse number 13, he says here, but I as a deaf man heard not. And I was a dumb man that opened not my mouth. David was not only blind to the blessings of God, but David was deaf to the danger. He could not hear the warnings the promptings of the Holy Spirit. David said, I walked around as a deaf man, not listening. David shut his mouth. He would not witness. He didn't praise. David didn't write a psalm during that year of his rebellion. David didn't make a testimony for God. David didn't give a witness for God. And listen, sin will shut your mouth. And David did not sing. Look at verse number 19. But mine enemies are lively and they are strong and they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. David was deaf and blind to the dangers around him. When he was walking in this blindness and this deafness, he couldn't hear the conviction of God and he couldn't hear the enemies that were plotting his demise. And he was setting himself up in a very precarious place. That's what sin does. It puts us in a place to be absolutely destroyed. Satan is not someone who is just gonna tempt you and, and then tickle you. No, he is going to destroy you. He is going to devour you and sift you as wheat. That's what he's gonna do. And David was oblivious to all of it. David was loved by God. He, he had God's favor, 
but here he threw it away. Let me close with this tonight because we see what sin does and now how guilt worries and wearies and all of those things that we just said, but let me show you tonight the remedy of it. And this is so very simple. You might've been carrying this for a long, long time, but can I tell you tonight, you can have victory over this. You can kiss goodbye to guilt tonight. And how? Number one, look at it. Let me show you the remedy. Look at verse 15. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope thou wilt hear, O Lord, my God. Let me tell you what you have to have. Hope there is confidence. He said, God, I have confidence in you. I don't have confidence in me, but I have confidence in you that you're a mighty God, that your love is immeasurable, that your mercy is everlasting, that your grace is able to overcome. Where my sin abounds, your grace much more abounds. And God, you are able and I have confidence in you. I have no confidence in the flesh, but I have confidence in a God who is merciful and just and holy and mighty. And where my sin is over my head, you have crushed it under your feet and you can give me victory. My confidence is in you. Listen, are you feeling guilt? Have confidence in God. Have confidence in God. Number two, he had contrition. He had contrition. Look at verse number 17. He said, for I am ready to halt and my sorrow is continually before me. He had a contrite heart. Look at verse 18. For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. Now, ready to halt means I've come to the end of myself. I am ready to stop. I've had enough of it. I am like the prodigal son who was longing for the husks that the pigs were eating when he came to himself and he said, what am I? doing? What am I doing? I'm lusting after the slop of pigs. I am in the pig pen of life when I could be at home eating at my father's table. And he came to himself. That's what David said. I'm ready to stop. God, it's been a year. I've sinned and I've tried to cover it. I've tried to suppress it. I've acted like it's gonna go away, but it's keeping me awake at night. I'm bowed down. I'm burdened. Your hand is pressing me. Your arrows of conviction are pricking me. My ears are stopped up. My eyes are dark. I'm done with this. I'm ready to halt. You know what's a wonderful thing and a high value thing in the eyes of God? a broken and a contrite spirit. And David was there. He had genuine brokenness. He said, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to confess it. Look what he said. He said, I will declare mine iniquity. That's confession. No longer am I gonna cover this up. Can I tell you that godly sorrow leadeth thee to repentance? And David had some godly sorrow here. He said, God, I'm ready to come clean. I'm ready to deal with the wound. And he did. He had confidence in God. He had contrition for his sin. He had, number three, he had confession. We just mentioned that. He said, I will declare my iniquity. I'm not gonna excuse it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it was a mistake or a fling or an affair or, or uh, uh, my right as a king to make military judgment. No, I'm gonna call it what you call it. It was adultery and it was murder. You know, that's what confession means. Confession means to say the same thing as. We have to call our sin what God calls it. We have to see our sin as God sees it. And friend, I'm telling you, I am a sinner through and through. 
And when we come to confession, we have to be honest with it and come clean before God. Don't, don't call your temper something else. Don't call gossip something else. Don't call lying something else. Don't call pride something else. Don't call lust something else. Call it what God calls it. And uh, let God hear it. Agree. Listen, let me tell you what David was saying. David was saying, God, I'm gonna agree with you about my sin. I'm gonna agree with you. I certainly am the man who sinned. And he confessed it. And let me tell you what happened. When you have confidence in God and a contrite heart, God, I'm ready to stop. God, here's my sin. Deliver me and forgive me. And let me tell you what he found. Are you ready? Watch this. Hoping in God, a broken spirit, confession of sin. And let me show you what it did. Look at verse 21. Forsake me not, O Lord, O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. You know what David found? He found cleansing. He found that when he confessed his sin, God ran to his aid. God came in and sin went out. God did not forsake him. God cleansed him. God, God will not forsake you. He'll forgive you. God will not condemn it. He'll cleanse it. If we are honest with our sin, as far as the east is from the west, so as he removed our iniquities far from us. God has uh, cleansed us from every stain when we come to confess. Now, David found out that he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but he that confesseth it and forsaketh shall prosper. He found that out. And this is the remedy for guilt. Now, let me tell you, maybe you've been trying to deaden the feelings of it, don't deal with the feelings of it. Deal with the wound itself, the very sin itself. And remember that God's grace is greater than your sin. He'll apply the cleansing ointment of the blood of Christ that cleanseth us from all sin. It's a cleansing agent. You talk about an antiseptic. It'll get in there and cleanse. And he'll wash it whiter than snow. And you can have healing and say goodbye to guilt. Father, I pray tonight that you'll help us and you'll encourage your people. Lord, we're living in a very sinful world. We all have a sinful nature. We have sin without and sin within and we're tempted on every side. Help us to walk circumspectly. May we guard our steps. And Lord, if we've, if we've sinned, may we deal with it honestly and humbly and quickly and find healing and forgiveness and cleansing and God, you'll restore. We thank you for your grace. We love you, dear Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. How I invite you to know Jesus Christ if you don't know him as personal savior. You can't just, you can't just oh, get forgiveness of sins until you've come to Christ for, for salvation. You need to come for that first cleansing. And that's the cleansing that you find at redemption. When you come to Jesus Christ and you receive him as your Lord and savior, if you've never been saved, call on him today for salvation and receive him and he'll save you. And then once he has, has saved you, then you need to walk in the light as he is in the light and his blood will cleanse you from all sin and you can stay close to him. But now we have a remedy for when we, when we fail 
And uh, let's, let's walk strong in the Lord. Hey, church, I'll see you Wednesday night, seven o'clock, and we'll have a wonderful time in our last classes of Witness in Action.